Hello, basketball fans, and welcome to the Dave and Dia podcast. Starting at center from Portland, the wily veteran, Dave Deckard. And at guard from Los Angeles, the patron saint of rainbows and unicorns, your podcast MVP, Dia Miller. Hi, guys. Welcome back to Dave and Dia, a Blazer's Edge podcast. I'm Dia Miller. I'm here with Dave Deckard. It is Tuesday. It's a little earlier than we normally record. Usually we are on Tuesdays when there's a game. We'll jump in after the game so that we can stay up to date. But today we had to record it before the game, which means we're recording this before the game, but we're both alert. It's like 430 in the afternoon. So, you know, we're not eight hours sooner than we usually do on Tuesday night game nights. And I'm sure that CJ yeah. McCollum scored 40 and the Blazers beat the Pelicans. Thank goodness for that. You've already seen that happen. <laughs> we haven't yet, but there we go. There's the bold prediction. Man, let's hope. I, if nothing else, I'm extremely excited to see CJ back tonight. Even if it's limited minutes, I don't. I haven't seen anything about it being limited, but I would think coming back from an injury, they're not going to throw him in for, for his full time. But... Man, he was playing so well before he went out. This is something I've really been looking forward to just for the sheer entertainment value. He's so much fun to watch, and I'm really looking forward to that. Yeah, well, let's dive right into that then. There are a number of questions. There's the usual one about CJ's health and recovery itself. He's medically cleared to play. He's ready to play, obviously, but it always takes a little bit of uh, working in time in order to come back from an injury. I think that'll be minor for CJ, frankly, because it always has been. He's he's that kind of guy who just seems to be able to slip right back into his role and into his game. There's how the Blazers will adjust around him, because keep in mind, in the early part of the season, when he was playing at an all-star level, they deferred quite a bit of the offense to him in terms of touches and in terms of shots. They have not been doing that lately. The ball's been around a lot more. So we'll see how much he absorbs. And of course, the big question is Gary Trent Jr., who will now go presumably from starter to bench player from as many shots as he can handle. If you're open, shoot it. And half the time, if you're not open, shoot it anyway, to more limited bench minutes, more limited touches and shots. Will he be able to keep his confidence up? Will he be able to translate that into maybe more energy on the defensive end or more targeted shots on the offensive end? Those three questions are the big ones uh, of all of them. I think I'm most concerned with number three. I'm most concerned with Trent. Uh, I think probably CJ will integrate fairly well back into the offense and back into his own game. Yeah, I'm not worried about CJ coming back at all. I think as far as he's concerned, he'll he'll dive right back in. It hasn't been that long. It hasn't been an entire season. It's just been a few weeks. You know, he's still been with the team. He's a pro. He's going to come in and he's going to do CJ things. And I, I'm not going to be surprised by that. I think this is where we're going to see the future of the CJ McCollum, Gary Trent Jr. conversation. And what we do from here because like we've said several times most likely we're not going to keep them both so we'll see for now i'm going to enjoy watching both of them play because i really like both of them and i really like watching both of them play so i will be happy to see both of them get playing time as long as that lasts 
Yeah, you wonder if Trent comes in at small forward and they run a three-guard offense a little bit, maybe absorb some of Rodney Hood's minutes. Not that Rodney Hood has had a ton, but Derek Jones Jr. is not going to get dislodged from the starting lineup. But there are some minutes after him, and uh, perhaps CJ could, or not CJ, but uh, Gary Trent Jr. could take some of those. You need him. Uh, CJ himself will score a lot of points, but you need Trent's shooting you need Trent's defensive effort he was kind of sparky he he gave them a nice little zap when he played that they did not have before they were just a a little more placid and the offense by the way has not fallen off with CJ out this team is still a really really good offensive team I'm not sure they're going to score a ton more points overall with CJ in there the question is do they have the same defense and if they don't was Gary Trent's I don't want to say just as good because he's not as good as CJ is, but for them, was he just as good? That'll remain an interesting question. Yeah, I think Gary Trent Jr.'s defense is definitely something that's been great for the Blazers who have struggled with defense. He's been a real big asset for us. I am definitely not saying that I want to see him go. I don't. I would love to keep him around. I just will not be surprised if that's the direction things go. But that being said, maybe I'll be wrong and maybe we'll keep him. But I definitely think that he and CJ play the game slightly differently. I think, you know, like we've said, the offense has been really, really good. You know, Gary's a good shooter and he he scores the ball. And we've seen that step up in other guys like Ant. You know, he's picked up some of that pace as well and he's been scoring and We've seen that even with Covington, you know, we've talked about how his numbers have gone up from the beginning. So it's not like when CJ went down, all of our scoring went down as well. Everybody else kind of stepped up. What I'm really, really hoping we don't see is that CJ comes back and everyone reverts back to letting him just do everything. I think that happens occasionally with CJ and with Dame. And if that happens, we're going to struggle. If we can keep up what we've been keeping up and if we can keep doing the kinds of things that we've been doing and we can keep being a threat, then we're going to be in a good position. You know, the thing is, when a team goes and double teams Dame or triple teams Dame or CJ or Gary Trent Jr. or Mello or whoever it is, if everybody else that's on the court can still hit those shots, that's a dangerous place to be because it either forces the team not to double team us or it leaves someone wide open who can take those shots. And I think as long as we're in a situation where everybody's making them, even when our defense is struggling, not that it, not that, that is not a conversation we need to have, but even when our defense is struggling, we're still going to make it up with our offense. And so, you know, again, that strategy of score 200 and hope it's enough. You know, we haven't seen, and I... It really would be the litmus test of how effective Gary Trent Jr. is. We still haven't seen Trent Jr. as part of a super effective, potentially, defensive lineup. And it's really sad that Nurkic went down just as he was coming around, because then you would have seen it. The problem with the Blazers is there's always two players who aren't great defensively. I mean, Damian Lillard is one of them. And again, as we say every time, that's not a knock on Lillard. First of all, he has a lot of other responsibilities. Second of all, Lillard is fine as long as there are really solid defenders around him. He can do a little bit. But when there are two players, and usually it's Dame and CJ, that's a big hole to fill. The three front court players struggle to fill it. 
Now, you had Trent Jr. in there, which leaves not as big of a defensive gap. So that's the litmus test. You go, okay, now let's see how good this looks. Except Nurkic went down and you get Ennis Cantor in there. And Cantor is the center version of Lillard and McCollum on defense. He is just, he's not great. He's occasionally okay, occasionally inspired, but overall, he's as big of a hole as they are on defense. So again, you had two players who can't defend. I would give my eye teeth to see Nurkic in his top form along with Trent and Lillard. And then, of course, you have the two forwards. That, I think, would show you how viable Trent would be as a starter long-term. And we still don't know, unfortunately. You can probably keep your teeth because I think we're going to see that pretty soon. Hopefully, hopefully we're going to get Nurk back and he's going to be, you know, himself. And yeah, but, he's we'll not gonna, but, but Trent's not going to start. It's not going to be the same. Sure, it, you're going to get spot minutes, but you're not going to... Do you know really he's not get... going to? Because I think he's starting tonight. Well, he may, but uh, look... Unless CJ has a huge heart and goes to his coach and says, keep me on the bench, that's not going to happen long term. No, not long term. Well, yeah, no, but we're still we're still not going to see full form Nurk with with Trent in the starting lineup. And even if Trent starts in name, you know, CJ's going to start to eat those minutes. And I'll tell you why. And people do often ask this question, by the way. It's a great one, Dia. And I'll tell you why it doesn't work, because eventually you lose. Unless you're, unless it's just like you're at a championships lo- championship level, you start to lose, and as soon as you start to lose, people look around for the easiest answer, whether or not it's yeah. the right answer, yeah. and the easiest answer is well. CJ's on the bench. So the first loss you have, like the Minnesota loss or something like that, people go, oh, CJ should be starting. Let's just take a minute and say that that's an insane way to go about things. It drives me nuts that this happens. I see it all over social media every time we have a loss of any kind, even if it's a good loss everybody's out for blood. It has to be someone's fault. It's either the coach or we need to trade this guy or we need more defense or we need more of this. And, and yeah, you know, obviously there are things that we need to look at. And I think it's a healthy exercise to look at this and say what needs work. Cause you know, all of us, the coaches <laughs> are really going to determine that. But I think it's, I think it's okay to look at this and say, yeah, like our defense is lacking. That's not a shock. You know, we all know that. It's wild to me. We could have every single super all-star that exists in the NBA on one team, and there's still going to be a game that we lose, and someone's going to be pointing a finger and blaming someone for that loss. And it's just it's just wild. The fact of the matter is we're not going to win them all. We're going to lose some of them. And we have to be okay with that. And we have to be able to look at those games and pull from that. We've talked about this before. Pull from that what we did well and look at that. And, you know, I mean, we can talk about that. We've just, since we did this podcast last, we've played three games. We played to the Suns and played to the Suns. We played the Suns. We did play to the Suns, unfortunately. (laughs) We played the Suns and we lost. We played Minnesota and we won. And then we played Minnesota the next night and we lost. And that right there is a prime example of the fact that you literally cannot win them all. Even a team that we beat the night before, the next day we, we didn't beat. And it happens. And that's not an abnormal thing. So I just think that it's important to to take it all with a grain of salt and chill on this. Well, let's blow up the team, trade everyone, and fire the coach. Well, I mean, people have their preceded opinions and then wait for the opportunity to say them. 
right? Yes. Like uh, yes. the classic one earlier in the season was the Carmelo Anthony opinion that Carmelo Anthony was great. And then he has like a sucky week and he's bad and his flaws all come out and everybody's quiet. And then he scores 16 and people go, oh, the stupid people who don't like Carmelo. Well, you got to look at the whole month. And by the way, it works the other way with Carmelo too, because he's been playing really well over the right. last month or two. I think on the balance, you have to say Carmelo has been pretty positive for this team this season. Those right. people, those of us who thought, well, you know, this wasn't a good idea. We have to go with the evidence at this point and for where the Blazers are right now, actually it is pretty good idea. Now, granted there are asterisks about who was injured and the expectations changing, sure, but on balance you have to say thank goodness they had Carmelo. So, fair yeah. enough. That said, let's let's zero in on these losses. The Minnesota okay. loss we can talk about in a minute. Two losses, one win. Yeah. I know, but of the two losses, I'm comparing them. I didn't care about the Minnesota loss that much, as much as people seem to. It seemed to tick people off. The Phoenix loss was tougher because the Suns, first of all, the Blazers needed to beat them, not just because they got blown out in Phoenix before, but because Phoenix is a legit contender for Portland's spot. I mean, these are two teams that are on the level, okay? Uh, And the Blazers needed to come back and win it, one. Second, the Blazers did a pretty good job of controlling tempo in the first half of that game, and that's how they got ahead. They were actually ahead for most of three quarters, and they were able to bottle up the Suns a little bit. Um, force Actually, they created turnovers and forced tempo on Phoenix, which is not easy to do, and generated some easy points that kept them ahead, meanwhile keeping Phoenix in the half court. And that worked pretty well for a half. But then it started turning in the third quarter, and then in the fourth quarter, Phoenix just got the bit in their mouth and ran with it. And the Blazers could do nothing to control the tempo. I mean, Chris Paul made him look silly. They just, Phoenix had it, the game on a string. And you don't like to see that. Because if you're playing the way you want to play, and you're consistent in that, and you lose, it means the other team was better than you on that night, but you still have a chance. If you play the way you want to play and then the other team takes that game from you because they got you to change styles and they change the tempo on you, that means they're just waiting on you. That means you can do pretty much whatever you want. They're going to flip that switch, play you a certain way, and you're probably going down. That's what Phoenix made Portland look like in that game. That is a much worse sign than slipping up and fumbling a game to Minnesota, who doesn't matter. And frankly, that game probably doesn't matter that much in the grand scheme of things. Uh, I was, I think the Phoenix loss indicated more to me. And, you know, I, I, I'm kind of sanguine about it. I don't care. I'm not falling apart over it. I'm just saying that was a pretty good test of where the Blazers are right now. And they've still got some work to do. Yeah, I full disclosure, I missed a lot of the Suns game. I've been sick. My family got COVID. You know that. I haven't said it on the podcast, but um, it, it took me out. And so I'm a little fuzzy on some of these games, full disclosure. But I think it's one of those things where... Actually, Dia, let's let's hold on right there before we do that. Since, since you said you had COVID, we have to stop and ask because this is more important <laughs> than basketball. Are you okay? Is your family yeah. okay? Yeah, you know, I mean, it's 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 one of those things that we were so cautious and so careful. We followed all the protocols, you know, we wore our masks, we social distance. I have been very cautious as to who I'm in contact with, um, but somehow it slipped in there. And 
I, I mean, I've had it. I'm on day, I think, 13 or something like that. So I'm no longer contagious. I haven't had a fever in a while. I'm still just exhausted and battling a massive headache. I thankfully have not lost my ability to breathe or my I haven't had difficulties breathing. But my mom, who has a suppressed immune system, has been down pretty hard with it. And my dad has been down. They've both been in the ER. It's serious stuff. And it's, you know, it's scary and it's... It's just a lot, but um, I'm okay. You know, I'm coming out of it now. I think my parents are are home. They're, you know, doing what they can. I'm, I think for both of them, because they're older and because my mom has the immune system issues, it'll take her a, a while longer to come out of it than, than it probably would for most, but they're breathing, which I'm grateful for. And, you know, they just have to kind of wait it out and, and wait for it to pass. But yeah, we're, you know, we're, we're okay. The kids didn't, they've been around it. Their dad got it as well. So both with me and with him, they've been exposed to it, but they are not showing any s- symptoms, which I'm incredibly grateful for because as scary as it is to go through it myself or watch my parents go through it, to watch my children go through it would be not my favorite thing. So yeah, we're, you know, we're, we're fighting through and, and just grateful that it, that it hasn't caused more damage than it, than it has at this point. So, yeah, it's a, you know, it's a, I wanted to stop there because if you mentioned it in passing, we want to know, I mean, we want to know <laughs> right. you know, that it's a, it's a good reminder that no matter how we get bound up in all these things about the blazers and whatever in an instant, there can be, a hundred things more important than basketball. So it kind of puts it in perspective. So I didn't want that human part to go by. (laughs) You know, we care about you. We're blessed to have you and your family as part of our orbit. And I think all the listeners would join me in saying, uh, get well soon. And we offer up uh, our best hopes for your parents and uh, my gosh, we want you all well and happy so we can focus on stuff like (laughs) the Phoenix game that you didn't quite see that you were saying before I interrupted you. Yeah, thank you. I appreciate that. You know, it's part of why I say it too is because in I know the last episode especially and then this one even, I've been a little off and there are things that I've missed. And so, you know, it's important to to just stay. I'm not, I'm not I didn't quit being a Blazer fan. I just have been a little out of it watching the games. So, yeah, you know, I mean, anytime I don't I don't really look at Minnesota as big as a threat as I do to the Suns, obviously. And I think that there's a point in all of this where you have to look at these losses and some losses are going to be worse than others. And that has a lot less to do with the score or how technically bad the loss was and a lot more to do with how big of a threat is that team that we lost to because every loss that that we have to another team gives us a loss and them a win which i know is an obvious statement but when you look at those records that's what determines your seeding in the playoffs whether you make the playoffs or not if we lose to a team that has no chance at the playoffs i would rather lose to a team that has no chance at the playoffs than lose to a team that's a you know 1 2 3 4 5 seed because if we lose to them, their wins go up and our losses go up. And that's a bad combination when we're trying to take those teams out or, or or we're trying to compete with them. And I think, you know, that's one of the things that I've tried to explain so many times on social media when I've had these conversations is I would rather lose to a sucky team. I would rather lose to a team that has a bad record because it's not going to impact so much as far as moving forward as losing to a team that's top seeded. Those are the ones that we want to win. 
those losses are going to have more of an impact on our on our playoff run, basically. Well, and the Utah Jazz have lost to the Timberwolves as well, and the Utah Jazz are elite in the West this year. So, I mean, that happens. But look, it's, it's for me, it's not even that. It's, it's not quality of opponent because anyone really can lose to anyone else on the given night. And standing right. sort of, but that's going to even out. That'll happen too. For me, it's what happened in the loss and look in the minnesota yeah. game that we won that we won listen gosh you so i always say they and dia dang you you've reinfected me with we <laughs> in the minnesota game that the blazers won they won that fairly and they won it well but yeah. carl anthony towns obviously in the second half created huge problems for them and exposed that they didn't have any interior defense to speak of and when and as Cantor got in foul trouble it got even worse not that actually the defense got better but the lack of size was telling because even though they were getting better defensive position they weren't able to stop like turnarounds or post-ups and they weren't able to get obviously as many offensive rebounds or, or defensive rebounds rather so Look, the Blazers are really shaky still at the five, even though it looks good in the regular season because other teams aren't taking advantage. But when you see a team take advantage like Minnesota did, even in the game the Blazers won, you go, okay, let's look at the playoffs. Are the Blazers going to run up against teams with the capability of doing that inside? Well, yes. I mean, you worry, obviously, about Denver and uh, Jokic, but you also worry big time about L.A., you know, about the Lakers, because they're yeah. going to do that in spades. And you know, when you see that, unless something changes, if the Blazers run up against the Lakers, the Blazers are going to lose. Now, you saw, you say kind of, duh, anyway, they're the world champs. But look, there are reasons to think it's different this year. But as when something like that comes out, even in a no-account game in the middle of the regular season, that's a sign that they better shore that up. Otherwise, they're not going to make it because you don't, all it takes is one. All it takes is one matchup where somebody can do that and you're out of the playoffs. You do not get a second chance if you lose a series and that's how it's going to happen or one of the ways it can happen. So that series with Minnesota, I think, was pretty indicative, but not because they lost. They could have won both games and it would have been the same lesson. I think we look at basketball so differently. And I, I that's part of why I like having these conversations because you always make good points. I don't think you're hardly ever wrong, maybe every now and then, but not very often. You're almost always right. But it's interesting because I look at this and all I see is... You need to talk to my ex. <laughs> Can we well, write that down? At least, when, at, least when it comes, <laughs> at least when it comes to basketball. At least when it comes to basketball. At least when it comes to the trailblazers. Yeah, I'm, I'm wrong plenty of times, but I don't try to be right. I try to make sense. Anyway, go ahead. But I think, you know, it, when I look at this, every time we win, I'm like, hey, it was a win. A win is a win. It doesn't, all we have to do is win. It doesn't matter how. It doesn't matter by how much. All we have to do is win. If we can just keep winning, we win. That's that's how this works. If we can keep winning, all we have to do. I want a t-shirt. I want that on a t-shirt too. If we just keep winning, we win. It's true though. If we can just, it doesn't matter if it doesn't matter if it's terrible win. Mm -hmm. It doesn't matter if we only win by one point. It doesn't. None of that matters. And I I know you can break this down and say, well, you know how they play matters and how they do this matters. And yes, I know. I, I get that. But also, if we can win, 
then we're going to win. And that, that, that that's the thing is, and I know that that's such a simple concept, but like, if we just keep winning, if we just keep beating teams, we're going to win and then we're going to win again. And then we're going to get to the playoffs and then we're going to win the first round. And then if you keep winning, if you then win the second round, and then, you know, if you win the third round, if you keep winning, eventually you win the whole thing. So that's why when I say that, I know that that's very simplified and I know that there's a lot more to it than that, but sometimes I just want it to be simple. Sometimes I just want to say, you know what? We won. It doesn't matter if we won by one point. It doesn't matter if we won in three overtimes. It doesn't matter if we won with a bad shot. We won. And those wins are important. You're actually correct, I think. I would make a slight tweak to it. First of all, you're precisely correct when it comes to the regular season. Right now, in the midst of this, all that matters is winning. And as long as you win, it's good. There's no such thing as a bad win. You know, there are such things as good losses, but only sort of, right? So just keep winning, get a good seed. That's all that matters. The playoffs, even though it's win or go home, the matchup does matter a lot more. And how you play does matter a lot more because teams are able to game specifically against your style. So it switches a little bit in the postseason. But right now in the regular season, you're correct. I would also say I agree wholeheartedly that literally the score doesn't matter. A 25-point win is not necessarily better than a one-point win. It depends on the night. It depends on a thousand other things that could affect that. So a 24-point dominant I mean, look, you can remember, you can go back to the 80s. What was that stupid series between the Celtics and Lakers where I believe the Celtics won the first game by 20 or some ungodly amount? And everybody's going, look how they crushed the Lakers. And the Lakers came back and won the finals, you know, even though they had lost the game. Literally, the scoreboard doesn't matter. Whether the game looked pretty doesn't matter. Whether you had fun doesn't matter. But I would argue... It matters a little. It matters a little. (laughs) The style... (laughs) does show you something it doesn't matter right now what i just said is not going to matter this week right but you're looking you're not just trying to win this week or next week you're trying to win in the postseason then's when it will matter all right fine but still a win is a win and i'm taking all the wins we can get that's right that being said we only had one out of three this week uh, you know, we've got a what lot of games okay, left. Okay, if they had scored three more points against... This is what I don't understand about all the grief and the angst. Okay, I, I would understand if the Blazers were in the number one seed battling with Utah and the Lakers to try to keep that spot. Yeah, and they, then you'd throw a fit, right? But seriously, if the yeah. Blazers had scored three more points against the Timberwolves, would they be great? One shot. One yeah. three-point shot. If they had made one more shot against the Timberwolves, would this and whole narrative be different? Would they be a yes. good team then? Yes, it would be. It well, would be different. No, I mean, I'm not talking about the stuff that people are spinning on social media. I mean, would it tangibly be different? Would this be a whole different story if they had hit a last-second three and won that game? Now, all of a sudden, they're a really good team instead of a really bad team because they hit one more shot? I don't buy it. I, I, I think that loss didn't matter that much. I just... I just think that it's so funny that there's only two choices here. They're either really good or they're really bad and there's no in between and everyone's arguing about which one they are. That's it's right. like, we're not there right now. We're doing for, again, we've had some major injuries that have set us back and we're still doing really well. So I think that this whole narrative about, 
they're either really bad and we need to blow up the team and we need to trade this person, this person, we need to fire the coach, we need to whatever, versus the narrative of, or are they really good? Like, they just doesn't, we, we don't need to do that. We don't need to right. do that. Let's just look at where they're at, take it day by day, game by game. Right now, we're in a good position. CJ comes back tonight. That's the first step. Hopefully, Nurkic will be back shortly. We're approaching a, a trade deadline here. There's all this talk about options. I mean, yeah. I, it, let's let's summarize it actually. And this is the difference between what Blazers Edge <laughs> will do for you and and most places. Yeah, we're good. I'm not gonna lie about that. I mean, I think we're pretty good. Uh, Blazers yeah. are pretty good, and and they still need to kind of blow up the team or make some changes because they're not gonna get yeah. much past pretty good. Okay, most that doesn't fit together in most people's narratives, but that's reality that's been their reality for a long time now they're they're good there are lots of things to celebrate about it they're not they're better than a lot of nba teams and they're, they're good uh, and damian lillard is flat out great okay that said they still need to make changes there we go i mean i think it's as simple as that and that narrative hasn't changed since 2000 14 or 2000 well no i take that back since 2015 the latter part of the year let's talk about this trade deadline that's coming up there's a lot of rumors circulating the question becomes can the blazers get anybody significant in the in the trade with the assets that we currently have. We talked about this a little bit last week, I believe. This stuff gets a little complicated. It's not as cut and dry. It's never cut and dry. There's always, and and even if you can sit here and say, well, if we trade these two for this one, salary-wise, that works. You know, you're dealing with two different teams. You're dealing with multiple players, usually. And all of those pieces have to fall together for that to work out. So, it's possible. Yes, we have some some assets that we can trade. We have some people that we can trade. Um, can we get anybody significant with that? I, I think it's possible. You know, some names have been thrown out there in the media. We've covered them for Blazers Edge. Um, specifically, LaMarcus Aldridge is one that obviously having been a Blazer and having been a well-loved Blazer for quite some time, um, the fact that he may end up as a buyout, we're not going to get LaMarcus Aldridge as a trade. He has $24 million salary. We are not going to get that trade. But if he gets bought out, that's a possibility for us. We could possibly end up with LaMarcus Aldridge. That's one that's been circulating a lot. The other one that's been circulating recently is Aaron Gordon. He's at $18.1 million, and that is possible. I think, I think we can maybe swing that. So those are two names that have been thrown out in the media that have been publicly put out there as, you know, these are guys that that Portland is interested in. There's a whole lot more talk from a whole lot more, but let's focus on those to begin with. Okay, so let's back it up for a minute and talk in general. Here's the, the assets and the liabilities that the Blazers have. The Blazers have a lot of trade players they could trade, and that's a good thing. Uh, Rodney Hood is the most expensive at about $10 million. But then you also have Zach Collins at about five seven, I believe. And then a whole bunch of young players. You got Trent, you got Simons, you got Nasir Little, all of whom are on rookie deals of varying uh, amounts, but, you know, running the 2 $3 million range, that kind of thing, okay? That's actually a fair amount of young talent to move. The Blazers also have uh, future draft picks that they could trade. So you, you've got a little bit in the uh, hopper. Here's what you don't have. You don't have veteran talent right now. You also 
and here's the sticking point. You don't have salaries to trade, okay? Because, right. well, you said, Hood makes $10 million, Zach Collins, five, mid-fives, right? Everybody else really cheap. That means they have to get someone right in that $10 million to $16 million range, okay? Because they can't go up to 24. They don't, they have to throw in three, four players. And here, by the way, also, the other team has to have roster spots to accept these right, players, right. right? You can't just trade and then have 34 players on your team. You're going to have to cut people or whatever. You have to be able to accept them, okay? Yeah. So three for ones don't make a lot of sense in the middle of the season. You right. don't tend to see Because rosters them. are pretty full at this point. Exactly. There are a few teams that have one and I think even a couple teams that have two open roster spots, but most people don't have room for three people. Right. So you don't have those extra salaries. Plus, you look at uh, Hood, you look at Collins, and you look at Trent Jr., and those all have expiring contracts. So the other team is not guaranteed to keep them after this season anyway. Right. So they're trading away just for nothing, for like a salary dump. Right. So right. you have to get someone who's willing to dump salary, which, by the way, means it doesn't make a lot of sense for them to be trading someone back to you whose salary is also expiring. Because what do they get from right. it unless you throw in a draft pick? Right. There's a lot of things that aren't there for Portland. So if you have this dream, like if you dreamed of trading for LaMarcus Aldridge, you can't do it. You can't get to the salary level and you can't give them the kind of assets that would make a difference for long. Unless, you know, the Spurs really covet, covet Anthony Simons or Nasir Little, right? That, that's it. So the Blazers don't have, they aren't coming in here with a real good hand. They're coming in here with a middle to low hand and trying to get something done. Now, let's look at Aldridge. Uh, as we said, we cannot get him off of the, at the trade. Anyone can sign a minimum level contract, and the Blazers have a roster spot open. They also can fit one more minimum level contract before exceeding the luxury cap threshold. They do not want to do that, I am sure. So they would need exactly this scenario, that the minimum level veteran. Aldridge is a possibility if he passes waivers and becomes an, uh, re a free agent and signs for a minimum level contract. Question is, Dia, do you want him? I'll, I'll let you go first. I've already spoken. <sighs> do you want LaMarcus? It's real hard for me to say no to that for a lot of reasons. You know me and my attachments. Now, I will say that LaMarcus was there at a time I, we've talked about this briefly, I think, where there was a there was a, a short time where I did not follow quite as closely, and it was the Brandon Roy Lamarcus Aldridge time. So I'm not quite as emotionally attached to those players as I am to the ones before and the ones who have come after. That being said, he's kind of a Portland legend. He was there at a time where you know, and, and he was there right at the beginning of Dame's career. Dame has gone out and said that he wishes that they could have played more together, that he thinks that they could have been really good together long term. And so there's a part of me that would like to see that come to fruition. I think that there's always that part of me that loves when people come home. You know, I, I love the idea of that. None of this has anything to do with how he plays. But that part of me says, yeah, I'd like to see that. As far as how he's been playing, it, he hasn't had the best year. I don't think he's been. I mean, I I should have looked up his stats. I don't know how he is um, defensively it's like this year. Thirteen points. It's thirteen points, like six rebounds, something like that. And he's not been a good defender for a while. That's my struggle here. Is when I'm looking at this, 
we don't need more guys who can score. We, I mean, obviously you don't want to get someone who sucks at it, but we don't need someone who's extremely good at it. What we need is someone who can help with our defense. And I don't know that that's going to be him. I'm iffy on this. I don't necessarily swing one direction or the other. I think if everything aligned that needed to, to bring him here, I would be open to that. I don't know if it all will. Dave, I'm not very I'm not very decisive about this. I've got mixed feelings about it. It's a tricky one for me. What do you think? Yeah, I, you got two games of happy nostalgia. And maybe you'd pray that he saves for you one game in the playoffs, but I don't think he can even do that. And, and I think that's the only, the storyline is the only reason. I've heard experts and whatever say, what about, I don't know what the heck that they are watching or smoking. Because... Look, what is the guy going to do? Uh, he's played center in San Antonio for three years now. He is no longer mobile. He is not a power forward anymore. He needs to be in the middle, all right? And for being in the middle, he is not a great defender. I mean, he might he's better than Ennis Cantor, but that's not saying much. He's not as good as Yusuf Nurkic, and you're hoping to have Nurk back. And if Nurk doesn't come back well, none of this matters, by the way. So you're putting him in there. He's going to be worse than Nurkic, all right? Then he's battling Cantor. You think he's going to be better than Cantor? Even if he is better than Cantor, is he decisively enough better than Cantor to absorb all of Cantor's minutes? If not, you've got a battle at a place that doesn't matter, which is backup center, for a person, neither one of which is going to really solve your problem or be great. And Cantor could not be any better than he is right now for the Blazers. So you're just creating conflict for no gain. Let's dream he could swing to power forward, which, by the way, he cannot. What are you going to do, power forward? Are you going to start him? Well, now you've got C.J. McCollum, who doesn't defend well. You've got Damian Lillard, who doesn't defend well. You've got either Ennis Kanter, who doesn't defend well, or Yusuf Nurkic, who hasn't defended well yet this season. And you've got LaMarcus Aldridge, who doesn't defend well at power forward. Poor Derek Jones Jr. is on an island out there. Or Robert Covington, if you swing him to small forward, but now you're moving him out of position. Your defense goes to hell. And by the way, where do you need to defend? You need to defend at the three-point arc and keep that strong because God knows you don't have the interior defense right now. And if you let that go, it's going it's all down the tubes Carmelo Anthony isn't great at that but at least he can get out to the arc and covered LaMarcus Aldridge cannot LaMarcus Aldridge is going to sink in and then he's not going to get out to the three-point arc to stop anybody you're going to leave open a barrage of three-point shooting from the opponent which is going to be ridiculous so you cannot start him at power forward so you think well maybe he can be a reserve power forward who's there right now Carmelo Anthony. What does Carmelo Anthony do? Shoot three-pointers way better than LaMarcus Aldridge. Yeah. LaMarcus is better at two-pointers, but LaMarcus does the same thing that Carmelo does, which is hold the ball and set up in the offense and slow it down. You really want two guys that do that now? And also, does anybody remember, even when LaMarcus was great, what the offense looked like? It looked like Damian Lillard making entry passes to uh, LaMarcus in his pet spot on 
the left side of the free throw lane and either pick and popping from there or he, you know, LaMarcus is making his kind of quasi post move from there. And if he doesn't have it, he passes out to a standstill three point shooter. That's not their offense anymore. So you're going to change the whole offense to get that nostalgia. You're not, which means LaMarcus isn't going to be the LaMarcus he was. And finally, sorry, I'm on a soapbox and going on and on, but let's <laughs> say he did work out. Is he going to re-sign with the Blazers? you going to pay him? I don't think so. So he's going somewhere else next year if he's really good. And if he really sucks, you didn't want him anyway. I don't see any upside to this that makes much of a difference. Maybe that's just me. Maybe other people see other things. But I've heard people online going, this is just stupid. Get him. I think it would be foolish for the Blazers to get him on the team. I don't see the upside. I see just a lot of congestion and a lot of what the Blazers don't need. I tend to agree with what you're saying. The one thing that I think, you know, I always bring this up is, you know, Dame and his ability to make people better um, and his desire to play with LaMarcus again. That's the one factor that you can't really measure. And it's a gamble. And I'm not sure it's a gamble that we should take. I think that... Well, I what's he going to make I, him better at, though, Dia? He's not going to make him better at defense. He's not going to make him faster on his no, feet. No, you're right. You're right. You're right. You're right. I, you're right. And I think, I think I have to side with you on this. Ultimately, this is probably not the best move. It's hard for me to say that when I'm talking about people who have been in Portland and especially who've been loved in Portland. It's hard for me to to come down on. Yeah, it's probably not the best move. But I think I think in this case, yeah, it's it's probably not the best move. And I don't think it's a realistic move. I don't think it's going to be the kind of thing that we're realistically going to swing. I just don't see it happening. Um if it does, I'll be surprised. Yeah, I mean, look, will I scream if he comes back? No, but I just don't think this is the everybody's going LaMarcus, LaMarcus. Right, right. I I don't right. Carmelo's better. Carmelo Anthony has done better at that role than LaMarcus Aldridge will probably do. Or, at the worst, LaMarcus will do as well as Carmelo did. But you already got Carmelo, and there's not room for two people to do that thing. So, hey, you know, look, this is not this is not the Nets and Lakers sweeping up everybody who's good. And by the way, LaMarcus could probably do okay on one of those teams because they don't have the same needs and they have higher expectations and, you know... Look, he's probably fine there if he goes there to get a ring, but I don't see him taking Portland from not ring to ring status. I agree with you. I, you've convinced me. Your your little rant changed my well, not changed my mind. I was iffy either oh, way, but but no, it, you it do pushed sound like my me one direction. <laughs> little rant. It pushed me one direction. So then the other name that's been thrown out there is Aaron Gordon, and Aaron Gordon, I. I think that would be a better fit than LaMarcus Aldridge, personally. I think Aaron Gordon potentially could be helpful. Now, the question being, who do we trade for him? Because that's he has a decently hefty salary. Some of the trades I've seen I don't love. So I would be okay with Aaron Gordon. I think that's something that I could get excited about. But it would depend on the price to us. It would depend on what we had to give up in order to get him. Yeah. Now, Gordon is actually gettable because he doesn't make 24. He makes 18. And he's under contract for one more year. So you could see maybe if Orlando wants out of that salary and they don't intend to resign him and he's not part of the future, that's actually a possible trade for them. And 
I think at least he gives the Blazers a different look, right? Because if or when he was healthy, and here's the caveat, of course, he may not be healthy ever again. He may not be the player he was. He's been injured, and he's right. not looked the same. That said, if he got closer to that, he is a really good defender. Uh, the question is now, can you put him together with Jones? Because Jones is not a good three-point shooter. Aaron Gordon's not a good three-point shooter. But you could see some kind of forward triangle there with Covington, Jones, and Gordon that made some sense. Your defense would never stop. So at least he has the advantage of bringing a different thing than Portland already has. Also, yeah. I mean, he's gettable with Rodney Hood, uh, Zach Collins. Uh, that already will do it. Now, the Blazers would be taking on more salary, and that would luxury tax them. So that's a little iffy, but maybe they could put in some other players and somehow make that combination work. I think he's not entirely ungettable, but Orlando would be taking him for basically a salary dump and or possibly a one young player. That's a pretty big ask, and I'm not sure the Blazers want to start trading away draft picks for Gordon because they don't know if he's going to get better, so that's pretty tough. But if he hit the the buyout market, okay, and if he were signable for a minimum salary, con salary contract, I think the Blazers would be interested in doing that. I just don't, I'm not, I don't think Orlando can afford to do that and buy him out of two years of salary, basically. I don't, yeah, I, I would be surprised if he ends up in that position. I, I think that's, I, I'm, I would not be surprised if, if that happens for Lamarcus Aldridge. I, I, I wouldn't be surprised if he gets bought out, but I would be surprised to see that happen with, with Aaron Gordon. I think Rodney Hood and Zach Collins for Aaron Gordon would be, I would be okay with that trade. I think, because clearly it matters what I think, but I, w I would be okay with that. Like that would be something that I think would be worth it. I, I think you hit the nail on the head, hit the nail on the head. That's the right saying, right? That's correct. Okay. I think you hit the nail on the head when you said, you know, he brings something different. And I think that's what we need. We need different. We need somebody that's going to come in and do something different than what we're already doing. You know, we saw that with Derek Jones Jr. and Robert Covington when we brought them in, that added a depth that we didn't have. And I think that we need to see that happen again. We need to see something else come in and just because we're so close. We are so close, Dave. If, if Nurk and CJ are healthy and playing to their potential, I think we are a very close move away from being solid contenders here. If we could if we could make one good move that would improve our defense, we would be solid contenders. We're not a bad team. We're actually a pretty good team. And I think that we at times are even a scary team that people don't necessarily want to go up against in the playoffs. If we could make one good move that would take our defense up a few notches, we would be in a good position. So I would like to see something like Aaron Gordon or, or you know, and again, you're right. We, we don't know what his potential is at this point because of his injury. But I think that's worth the risk, especially when you're talking about Collins, who's already injured and Hood, who's who's struggled. I think, you know, it, it's worth that risk. Yeah. Now, I don't think Orlando does this, but if they could get him, here's here's the upside. He shot. 36.5% this season from three, which is a clear career high. He has not been good from that range. But three-point shooters tend to, knock on wood, get better in Portland. So there is hope that he could hit those. And he shot, he's shooting about four per game. So that's not insignificant. And he's not, I mean, look, <laughs> Covington came in here worse than that, I think. Uh, and Jones certainly did. So, hey, there's possibilities there. Also, 
The guy's only 25. It's hard to believe because it feels like he's been around forever, especially with the injuries. It feels like now he's a grizzled veteran at the end of his career. He's definitely not. And if he were to see some kind of renaissance, even if he didn't come back 100%, if he could get to 85%, 90% of what he was, that would be really solid for Portland. And if Derek Jones Jr. can play in this lineup, Aaron Gordon can play in this lineup. Now, I'm not sure, again, that they could play together in this lineup, but I think there are ways to stagger that to make it work. I would definitely take a chance on this if the cost were low. And again, I don't think the cost will be that low. I think Orlando will look at what they had with him, not what they have with him. What they have with him will be enough to get them to pull the trigger on a deal, but it will not be enough to get them to bail out on him for a low ball deal, I think. So that'd be a tough get, but it would be a no-brainer for me, especially since it is pretty low risk. His contract only runs one more year, and if you can make the dollars work, do it because that would be at least a potential to change the team. And and I like that. Yeah, I agree. I agree. I think it'll be interesting to see what happens. This is the time of year where I feel a little anxious and I don't really love it. I count down the time until the trade deadline has passed because then I don't have to worry about some dramatic trade happening mm-hmm. and crying myself to sleep. <laughs> Let me ask you this though. This is a this is a great question. Uh-oh. Okay. LaMarcus Aldridge on a on a veteran minimum giving up nobody or Aaron Gordon giving up the trade package we talked about and maybe a young player, you know, let's say little or Simons or whichever one you don't like, or you like this or even Gary Trent. Cause we're not going to keep him. Right. So yeah. yeah. Okay. So let's say it's Trent because that's low risk for our emotional. Cause we're going to lose right, Gary right, Trent right. anyway. So it's, for, I'm not, this won't work exactly, but let's say it was Trent and hood and Collins for uh, Aaron Gordon. But it cost you that. Or you could have LaMarcus for free and not have to get rid of any of those guys. Which would you prefer? I would take the Gordon trade. I The thing is, you know, even though my heart wants a roster of 30 people where we can all, you know, sing Kumbaya and be buddies, I, uh, at the end of the day, a free player, essentially, in LaMarcus Aldridge if he's not going to fit well with the team and he's not going to be an asset, that doesn't help us. So even though we're not having to give up anybody for him, that's just somebody else fighting for playing time that we don't necessarily need fighting for playing time. I would rather, you know, make a move and again, bring something different to the team that we don't have and up our defense. And, And even if that means giving up some, some assets, I think that that's, I think that's the smarter way to go. Man, who am I? I don't know where this person came from, but I just, I, I, I just, I would really like to see us make a solid run. I don't want us to just get close. Like I want to actually see this become a thing. So, and I think if, I think if we're going to really be an actual contender, we're just a move away from that. I don't know if this is the move, but I'm not sure that the move is available right now. So I think we just get it as close as we can. And I think that Aaron Gordon is closer to that than LaMarcus Aldridge. Sure. And it's low emotional risk because Rodney Hood not going to play for the team after this season. Zach Collins, I mean, who knows, but he can't predict anything. He hasn't been playing for the team this season. Yeah, he's, he's just injured. Yeah, and, and you know, it does, let's put it this way. It doesn't look real bright for him. And Gary Trent Jr., we're presuming he wouldn't be back. So you got three players you're going to lose anyway. Um, yeah, and well the scary thing is, and here's, here's the reality, I hate to break it to you, but we're going to be singing this song next year about 
Yusuf Nurkic about Aaron Gordon if we got him. And obviously, Carmelo Anthony goes in the previous category too. No guarantee that he's going to be back. So, yeah. So, look, I mean, things are changing whether we want them to or not. So, having some control over that and, and riding out that wave of transition. Right. It's pretty important. People are going, you always say blow the team up. Look, the team is going to change anyway. It doesn't matter what anybody says. This is happening. So do you want to just say, stay the course and let everybody disappear? Or do you want to take control of some of these assets and how they go and uh, try to build a future? That's how I feel. I think, you know, it's it's hard for me to watch anybody go, but there are players that I know are going to. You know, we've talked about that with Trent. I don't see Gary sticking it out and staying in Portland. I, I think he's going to go. And so to me, if he's going to go anyway, we might as well use him to get something than just wait it out. I just it's hard for me to look at this and think you know, we just lose all these assets. Like we, we've got to make some, we've, we've got to do the best we can with the circumstances that are presenting themselves. And if they want to stay, then they can voice that and they can work with the team and stay. I think a lot of times with those, like, like Mello, you know, there was a lot of talk as to whether he'd stay this year or not. You know, he took a vet minimum and he sat on the bench. He did what he needed to do to be with the team. And so if they want to be there, I think a lot of times there are options for them to be there if they're willing to go with that. So we just have to kind of see. But for the guys that we're going to lose, we might as well try to get something from that and build a future with the team. Because, I mean, I obviously we want to make a run for this with Dame in his prime, obviously. But this isn't the last time we want to make a run for the championships. It's not like this is it's not like it's championships or bust. It's not like we we do it this year or we never do it again. I mean, the hope is that we're always building a team that can be a championship contender. And so if we ignore that and we just let these assets go and we don't do anything about it, then then we're going to be rebuilding. It's, it's getting closer to this year or bust. It's probably this year or next year or bust. But, you know, but, I but look, I mean, figure this lineup, though. Yusuf Nurkic at center. Uh, I don't know who the backup center is. I, I don't know if they can re-sign Cantor. I don't know if you bring in Aldridge then to be a backup center, which is a much more palatable role if Cantor's not there. But anyway, Yusuf right. Nurkic is at center, right? And then you have uh, Aaron Gordon, Robert Covington, Derek Jones Jr., and Nasir Little. If Nasir Little continues his ascension, that's not a terrible forward four for those two positions. And then you have Damian Lillard, CJ McCollum, and Anthony Simons in the backcourt. It's not horrible. I mean, that's that's a pretty balanced team. And if everybody, I mean, the variables are Gordon, Nurkic, Simons, and Little. If those four play pretty well, that's a decent core. Uh, that's, that's, yeah. not, that's not bad. It's much more palatable than the other, you know, combinations involving Carmelo Anthony or LaMarcus Aldridge in prime roles. It's, it's not the same as that. That's actually a better core than the Blazers have right now in most ways, give or take a reserve center. So, hey, you know, I, I, I would go for it. Yeah, I agree. I agree. The last question that we have is, who are the Blazers definitely better than in the West? We're currently ranked sixth in the West. One I should right. read them one by one. We'll, we'll, let's see if, if we're better than that team, yep. do you think? Should we, should we start from the bottom start, or from the start top? Start from the top. Start from the top. Okay, Utah Jazz. 
Not better right now, no. I mean, in a playoff series, that would be interesting, but the Jazz are so three-pointer-ish, and that's what the Blazers do too, and the Jazz have shown they're better at it. The Jazz do a lot of passing, uh, and if you could defend them really well, you might be able to disrupt that, but the Blazers don't defend real well, so I don't think there's any way you can say the Blazers are better than Utah right now in the in your wildest dreams. You just hope for a playoff upset in that case. I don't know. What about you? Yeah, no, I agree. I think it's hard when you're looking at the standings and you're looking at these teams that are, they're kind of in a a higher tier right now than we are. It's just hard. It's hard to combat that. Now, that being said, I don't think that means that we can't beat them in a series. I think it's possible. I think that they're, you know, depending on what happens here at the trade deadline, I think depending on what happens with Nurk and and CJ, I think that those things are possible. You know I'm always going to say it's possible until it's not. But are we a better team than them? Probably not. Yeah, and Utah is one of the two heartache teams in the West for the Blazers in that they're being what the Blazers wanted to be. <laughs> and Utah right. is the, probably the big one. You look at Utah and you go, why? And part of it is injuries. I get it. But I'm not sure even if the Blazers were uninjured that they'd be doing exactly what Utah is doing right now. And that hurts. Yeah, that's a, it's a tough one. Uh, number two currently is the Suns, the Phoenix Suns. <laughs> and there's the other one. <laughs> a, I yeah. forgot that they were number two. I mean, look, I think the Blazers... I think the Blazers would show better than them in a playoff series than they have in the regular season because Phoenix presents certain problems for Portland that I think are more solvable when you can concentrate on them. And I think the Blazers have done pretty well in isolated quarters against the Suns when Portland has played their game. The problem is Phoenix has been able to take Portland out of it. That said, are the Blazers better than the Suns? Definitely not. Are they about equal with the Suns? I think they're more equal than it seems right now. Uh, yeah. But that's, there's no, I mean, I think that playoff series would probably be 60-40 Phoenix. Yeah, I think, again, as it stands, they've got a leg up on us. But I, I think that if we can make, I keep thinking about this trade deadline and I keep thinking something's going to happen. And if something happens, that could push us up there and push us over the edge with them. But yeah, I mean, they're, I would say as of right now, the Suns have us beat. Number three is the Lakers. Do you want to go first on them? I don't want to talk about them ever, Dave. I just I think we should make a rule that we are not allowed to talk about the Lakers on this podcast because it just feels like a bad word. You well, you know, I spent the first like six years of my blogging career putting an asterisk for the A, as if it were a profanity. (laughs) No, I did not know that. I did. Finally, like (laughs) national media people said, you got to stop doing that, or you know, no one's going to quote you or pay attention to you. So we kind of bowed to public pressure also the Blazers ended up falling apart and it didn't matter nearly so much and so did the Lakers by the way and it felt really cheap to treat a 20 win team as a swear word so sorry Lakers we had pity on you but in any case yeah there's no way the Blazers can claim to be better than the Lakers in any way shape or form until they've beaten the Lakers I think the world champions get that credit and I think in a playoff matchup that LA's size and experience is going to be more of a problem than the Blazers can handle unless they get really lucky because you know what LeBron James knows what he's doing and Portland has to hope that they know what they're doing so uh, you know I, I don't think there's any credible way to say Portland's better than they are. I'm just going to plead the fifth on this. Yeah. That's I don't want to, I don't want to have to say it. So plead the I'll fifth let you... and then drink. One. Oh, you, you don't do that. Anyway, that's all right. <laughs> uh, 
Um, fourth would be the Clippers. Uh, the Clippers, that's an interesting one. I'll, I'll let you go. Go ahead. Yeah, the Blazers aren't better than the Clippers right now, but the Blazers could beat the Clippers in a playoff series if the Blazers are healthy and play well. I think they're the vulnerable team. And I know Kawhi Leonard is better. Yeah, well, I will say that Kawhi Leonard with an asterisk, is better than anyone the Blazers field, including Damian Lillard, because Kawhi Leonard is a two-way player. Uh, and Lillard, for all his prowess, is not. That said, I think that there's an eyelash of difference in total effect, and I think Kawhi, if he's not in the right situation, is not going to be able to take over a team and take them all the way the way Damian Lillard can no matter what the situation so I, I don't think that that edge matters too much and I think that Paul Pierce is overcomable for the Blazers too I think they've shown that so I think they are the vulnerable ones in a playoff series to Portland even though I wouldn't say Portland's better now I'd say that's the matchup that I want if they have to play one of these teams in the first round because I think that can be done yeah, I agree. I think they can beat the Clippers. I am not going to go as far as you did and say that Kawhi is better than Dame. I think he's a phenomenal player, but I think that, you know, like you said, the the, the X factor with Dame is the ability to take over a game and push it in one direction or another and carry that team. Um, and I think that if it came down to it, we we could take the Clippers, I think. I agree. I definitely agree. The fifth would be the Denver Nuggets. I'm going to go ahead and say that we are better than the Denver Nuggets. They're they're ahead of us by one ranking, but I think that we are a better team this year than they are. Denver's been slipping lately. Denver's been having some chemistry issues, and they are vulnerable. I think the two teams are really about even, and I think they have some similar strengths and weaknesses, obviously. Denver has a superstar, a key superstar. And also, you know, they have a really solid lineup, but they don't always play to their potential. And they tend to get rocked a little bit in ways the Blazers don't anymore. By the way, I think Portland's been pretty darn steady. Considering they've had new lineup and they've integrated new people, Portland feels like a veteran team now, more than Denver does. Uh, so I would say... We're reaching the point at which we're about equal, and you really flip a coin either way, depending on which team gets hot. So I say, no, the Blazers aren't better than the Nuggets, but they're not worse than the Nuggets either. Okay, that's fair. Then we obviously are in the sixth spot, trailing closely, eh, not that closely, behind us are the Spurs. I would say, again, we I think we're a better team than the Spurs. Yeah, better than the Spurs. Spurs don't have all the pieces yet. Uh, I think we agree on that. I don't think that the Spurs would beat Portland in a seven-game series either. I think, you know, you've got to fear Greg Popovich. And obviously, they have some firepower, but they don't They don't have the coordination. They don't have it all together. They don't have the right players. Uh, so, yeah, uh, definitely better than the Spurs. I think we can kind of, I mean, at this point, then we've got the Mavericks, the Warriors, the Grizzlies. Okay. Of those, obviously the Warriors are the ones you fear because, yeah, you know, Steph Curry, uh, I would not look if it comes in, if the Blazers slip and get into that playoff, you know, playoff playoffs to play in round, basically, I don't think you want to see Golden State. I think the Blazers no, I agree. would be, the, you know, honestly, if the Blazers are healthy, I might even go 70-30 Portland in that because Golden State, obviously missing Clay Thompson. They're struggling this yeah. year. 
but I don't I don't want to see him. I don't I think that could easily flip the same way we could flip the Clippers. And yeah. uh, so of those, I fear that I don't think Memphis I th- I like Memphis. I, I think Memphis in two years could be really, really good and they could do yeah. the Phoenix thing. I, I don't have that much respect for the Mavericks. Don't have much respect for other people who are below that below us at this point. But yeah, just stay above stay away from Golden State basically. Yeah, that that would be my one and so so it's Spurs, Mavericks, Warriors, Grizzlies, Pelicans, Thunder, Kings, Rockets, Timberwolves. The one that I would be the most concerned about is the Warriors as well. You know, Steph is is he's got that X factor that Dame has. I hate the Dame Steph narrative. It's not something I will ever want to discuss. I think it's okay for them both to be really good at similar things and be really good players and I don't think we have to decide who's better than the other. I think we can be happy to live in a time where we get to witness greatness from both of those players. That being said, I I think that there are some similarities in them as players in them as leaders. And I think that um, Steph is not someone that I want to go up against in a high pressure situation. So yeah, I, I, I would say that the Blazers are a better team at this point. The Warriors have struggled. They just are not playing to their full potential this year for whatever reason. But all it would take is them getting on a hot streak and really finding that groove and getting it together to be a threat. And I don't want that threat. Well, and I'll tell you what, Dia, you do not mess with world champions. And they have that in their past. I mean, Draymond Green does, and obviously Curry does. Even if they're not the same team, if you give them a target, they know how to play. They know how to play this game, and they know how to pick you apart, and they know how to win. And even if Portland is better, Portland cannot make that same claim in the same way. They have Warriors have literally played at the highest level possible, and they've been a dynasty. They're not going to ever be that again under this, you know, uh, regime. But they haven't forgotten, and I don't. I don't want Portland to be to have to win two games from them or something like that to to progress. So yeah, yeah, I mean stay stay away from the Warriors, go get the Clippers. But what we've said basically is more or less Portland is reasonably placed right now, right? I mean yep. they're 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 yeah. above the teams they should be above. They're right in there with Denver, you know, maybe an asterisk on the Clippers. They shouldn't be above the Lakers or the Suns at this point. Uh, maybe Phoenix will slip back down or the Jazz. So give or take a slot maybe two if you're super lucky this is about right and by the way we should bring up what we always bring up for having lost McCollum and Nurkic yeah okay nice yeah nice I mean yeah big picture if you're in the slot you should be in uh even with them I like it yeah I think that that's something that we don't I mean, we obviously talk about it, but it doesn't really get talked about when they're talking about the Blazers. The Blazers are in sixth place, very easily could kick it up to fifth, maybe even fourth. And that's without CJ and Nurk. When you put CJ and Nurk back in, if they're playing to their potential, I, again, Dave, I'm going to say it. I think we're contenders. And I, I know that there are pieces that will have to happen in order for that to be the case. But it could. It's it's a realist. It's a 
actual possibility. I don't want to say realistic because I think we're still a little ways away from that, but it's an actual possibility, especially depending on this trade deadline, especially if a move gets made, it's an actual possibility that we could be seeing ourselves in the Western Conference Finals and maybe going on. Okay, well, let's conclude it here then. If that's an actual possibility, then they need to go get it. And they need to go get it now. And the sign that they go get it is they move into fourth or maybe third, right? If the sun slip, you move into definitely top half of the bracket and maybe in, you know, top three. And if they can do that, then I think I will agree. I think if they don't do that, there's not a lot of substitute for that, even if there, if even if there are injuries, because if they're not going to do it in the regular season, they're not going to do it in the playoffs. Now, I'm okay if they have some shakedown time with these players coming back and they don't look good over the next couple weeks, but getting that proverbial run at the end of the regular season where you're the team that gets hot right at the right time, I think. Portland has a history of doing that. I think if they do it again, you could be correct. I don't see any permutation of getting CJ and Nurkic back unless Nurkic plays out of his mind that puts them in the number one spot or that really makes them better than LA at this point. But I think they need to get as close as possible given the situation and then let's see what happens. Yeah, I don't think we have any need for the number one spot, honestly. Um, We just need to work our way up and stay in contention and and put ourselves in a place where we can hopefully not take on the Lakers. I don't know. Number one or number two, though, would, would give you a reasonable opponent in the first round. After that, it gets really dicey. If you're yeah. anywhere between one and, well, if you're anywhere between three and eight, you are playing a pretty nasty first round opponent. And one we just said the Blazers would be probably no better than a coin flip against, if not needing an upset. So, yeah, I mean, if they could take the number two slot, they should take that. But well, obviously, you know, I mean, yeah. who, but you know, who knows? And the Suns will be interesting to watch. I'll be interested to see if they can keep it up. But remember, also, let's let's do a throwback really quick. I don't think you and I talked because it was too late, but it was a year or two ago, and the Stotts talk was going on even then, and. I said there was one coach, one coach, the only coach that I would take instead of Terry Stotts if they were going to move him. And that was Monty Williams. And if they could go get Monty Williams, I would be at peace. I don't think they should have fired Stotts. I don't think anything was his fault. But if they had to do it, they need to get Monty. And dang it, if it wasn't too late, dang it, if Phoenix didn't do it first and look what they're doing right now. And I don't think that's all Monty Williams, but I don't think he's incidental to it either. And I would have loved to have had him. And maybe someday again, if the cycle goes around, uh, the Blazers will. But I really think that he's the guy that they always needed to target. I thought that when he left from Nate McMillan's regime, that he was a good option. And uh, my my opinion hasn't changed. And hats off to him and the Phoenix Suns. It's going to be interesting, but I think I think you're right. We leave it at the fact that if they're going to go for it, they've got to go for it. And this is now this is the time. You know, this trade the trade deadline. We hopefully we'll see something happen here, and then we got to make that run. 
All right. Well, for Dia Miller, I'm Dave Decker. That'll do it for us. We are glad that you were along. We will see you again next week talking about C.J. McCollum's comeback, hopefully, and uh, even more. Looking forward to Yusuf Nurkic as well and seeing how all that shakes out. And we appreciate you. Find us on Stitcher, iTunes, all that good stuff. Tell a friend, tell a neighbor, tell anybody you can, and we will see you again next week. Go a hater sees an opening down the lane, moves towards the hoop, but then Dia comes out of nowhere to swap the shot attempt away, saying, get that weak stuff out of here. Dave scoops up the loose ball. Now it's a fast break the other way with Dia. She's flying down the court. Dave sends her an alley-oop. She jams it. Boom, shakalaka. The crowd is on its feet saluting Dia. I tell you, if she isn't the rookie of the year, they really ought to just stop giving the award. What a talent. <laughs>